0: I am a huge fan of looking through photo albums. It's one of those weird things that I find fascinating. Um, so if you ever invite me to your house and there happens to be one around, I may well be one of those awkward people that just looks in them. Um, it's one of those very few areas in my life that I've not really learned uh, proper manners. Uh, if there's a photo album available, it tends for me to be just an opportunity to look. Um, so I do. I find them fascinating. I'm not a huge fan of looking at photos of myself, Um, because my mum would always tell me I was cute. Um, I just think I was odd-looking as a baby, if I'm completely honest. I can say that with full confidence. Um, I just didn't look like I imagined I would as a kid. My parents dressed me in incredibly woolly-based items uh, and then gave me really bad haircuts to go along with it. But I find something fascinating about the photos when I do look at ones that I'm in, not because I'm particularly drawn to myself, but my dad has hair. In those photos. And I find that fascinating. And my mum doesn't have grey hair. And she went grey at 16. So we're talking like I was dinky. Um, But I find something fascinating about it. I also find it fascinating when I look at them. And I look at the building that we're in. I look at the house. And I look at this huge box of a television on the side. Or pictures on the wall. And all these things that seem almost foreign to me because they're from a time that I didn't necessarily understand, or a time that I don't really remember that well. Looking at photos from holidays that we went on, where we would be on what I can only assume, because the photos are still mostly in black and white, but I assume was a sunny, warm beach, with my dad fully covered head to toe with a long sleeve shirt on. (laughs) Like, I find it fascinating. It's a, a whole different way of doing life. One of the biggest privileges I have is looking at photos of people um, from generations before that of a world that I really don't remember, of men stood in their suits as they go off to serve, children playing in the streets with skipping ropes and stones, of women cycling with fresh bread in baskets. It's a world that I know existed, but I didn't witness, and I find these photos fascinating. I'm one of those people, and um, some of you may well do this as well. I am drawn into those bizarre books that they produce of like the now and then. And one photo is like today. And then the other photo is the same place, but from ages ago. And I love to look at it and look at the buildings and see that the same buildings are there, but maybe they're different shop fronts. Or actually, one whole section is completely redesigned. I find it fascinating. Because in those photos there is something almost magical captured. Because it is a time and a place and a reality that is continually changing. That it isn't what it was. It's moved on from that place to something fresh and something new. But whatever it was that was captured serves as a reminder Serves as a reminder. So it might be um, photos of children. They serve as reminders or graduations, holidays that we went on, weddings, occasions. Those photos become reminders, things we look back at and we recall what was going on, what the moment was like. They bring that memory back to life for us. I also find it fascinating because I look at, especially of the photos of myself, photos that whilst have no real impact on me right this moment, crafted who I've become. I don't know how many of you consider that. When you look through photos, whilst sometimes we cringe at the outfits that we chose to wear to school events that we thought were cool on Mufti Day, whilst we look at them, we almost seem to forget that they were part of what built us to be who we are. They laid a foundation that we now walk in. Mel's going to come and read for us in a moment, and we begin to see in this passage that God is big into things that remind us. God is big on that whole, you know what, this is where you've come from moments. So it's not photos that we hear of in the Bible, but he is very keen for there to be these moments that are captured and remembered in very practical ways. So I'm going to invite Mel to come forward now, and she's just going to share this passage of Scripture with us.
1: This evening's reading is Joshua chapter 4 starting at verse 1 to the end, and it's on page 218 of the Pew Bibles. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, "'Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, "'and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, "'from right where the priests stood, and to carry them over with you, "'and put them down at the place where you stay tonight.'" So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, "'Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean?' Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down." Joshua set up the twelve stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Now the priests who carried the Ark remained standing in the middle of the Jordan until everything the Lord had commanded Joshua was done by the people, just as Moses had directed Joshua. The people hurried over, and as soon as all of them had crossed, The ark of the Lord and the priests came to the other side while the people watched. The men of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over, armed in front of the Israelites as Moses had directed them. About 40,000, armed for battle, crossed over before the Lord to the plains of Jericho for war. That day the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they revered him all the days of his life, just as they had revered Moses'. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests carrying the Ark of the Testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come up out of the Jordan, and the priests came up out of the river carrying the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. No sooner had they set their feet on the dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and ran in flood as before. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their fathers what do these stones mean, tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry (coughs) ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Amen. Amen.
0: There's a huge amount In that passage, please do not panic, we aren't going to be here all evening, we're not taking the whole thing apart, but it paints a wonderful understanding for us of the moment that we see laid out for Joshua. And I wanted it to be in its entirety because you'll notice that it repeats itself a few times. It's making a very firm point. The first one I want us to draw on this evening is God is always making new memories. God is in the business of making new memories, I don't know how many of you have uh, siblings. I am incredibly fortunate not to. Um, I think being an only child is a wonderful gift. Um, But I have spent most of my life, as you can probably understand, with people with siblings and um, often if I was friends with the youngest sibling, they spent their lives being compared to their older brother or sister. I'd sit, I'd go around for dinner and we'd be talking and inevitably the conversation would go on to, ah, their older brother did so well in their exams. And I'm, as an only child, I don't necessarily understand it, but I begin to grasp the pressure that that puts on the youngest sibling, that expectation that hangs over them. The context of this story that Mel just read for us is that the Israelites are still progressing towards the promised land and they've come to the Jordan. The problem is Joshua isn't Moses. Moses. Joshua somewhat lives in the shadow of Moses. It had been very easy for Joshua to spend his entire time with an insecurity, with that nagging feeling that all the people are really thinking is he's not as good as the last guy. That worry. It's inevitable that whenever a new manager takes over at a club, they're always compared to the last one or, at worst, compared to the most successful one. It's inevitable. The Rider Cup's just passed us by, and yet all of the build-up is about the captains being compared to previous captains. It's how we do life. And as we read, or sorry, as Mel read for us, we began to see that Joshua has taken charge of the people, but there was still room for people to look at him and be like... Are you you as good as Moses? You're young. All these comparisons, all these potential problems that could come out. Joshua hadn't crossed the Red Sea. He hadn't freed them from Pharaoh. But this point is key. God is not telling us to look back to make us feel inadequate. God is not about using the past to make us feel small, insignificant, like we don't matter, like what we're facing isn't important. And what we saw in this passage and what we heard about from the music group as we built was this, that God uses the past to remind us of how good he is. He uses the past to remind us of what he can do. But here we see he also uses it to show the Israelites he was with Joshua as he was with Moses. This is a huge statement, an endorsement of his leadership. God says to them, remember what we did. I can do it again. Remember what Moses had achieved. Before you think that was about Moses, it wasn't. It was about me. And I will go with Joshua as I went with Moses. So some of you might be sat here feeling like you are in the shadow of someone always having spent your life in the shadow of an older sibling. Maybe some of you had parents who are missionaries or pastors and preachers or other high-end jobs, and you've always felt like you've never quite met the standard. Some of you, it might be situations. You've always been in the shadow of something that's gone on in life that you're not quite on top of. So I want you to hear this. God is with you. He's with you as much as he was with those that maybe you feel like you're living under the shadow of. But he is with you. Joshua led the people the only way he could. He led as Joshua. Had he tried to be Moses, he would have fallen flat on his face. That wasn't who he was built to be. He was built to be Joshua. So he led the people the way he knew how. And he led them on the path God laid out. That's the same for you. You aren't following someone else's shadow. You're not trying to follow in someone else's footsteps. You are doing life the way you know how to do it. And if you are doing it in God's plan, you are going the direction he has planned for you. There is no need to be crushed by expectation or comparisons. So I pray that you would instead see those past events as encouragements of a God who can do amazing things in your life and in the lives of others. Which leads us on to our next point. God knows we forget. God knows that we will forget Verse 2, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. They will serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean, tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be memorial to the people of Israel forever. I do not have the worst memory in the world. I work with Mark. I definitely don't have the worst memory in the world because, like, I'm trumping him. But sadly, I probably have the worst memory in our house. Because if I take something away from Evie and I hide it, she will watch where I've hidden it and then just continually to remind me where, whatever it is, is if it's sweets, it's often sweets, it is continual. She'll just stand by the cupboard and point. So I'm losing to Evie. Laura is just another kettle of fish. Any of you who have spent time with Laura will know this. She um, is just like a memory machine. While I was starting here trying to learn your names, she was on like third, fourth generation family tree stuff. She is just one of those amazing people. If I'm stuck for something, um, I'll just need to ask her, and she'll spend a moment and kind of go through it. I'm pretty sure she's got some Sherlock kind of mind storage thing going on, but she is amazing at it. But if you're like me, you will forget things. There will be moments that you forget, times that you can't quite recall. God knows this. He knows that in the hustle and bustle of life, we can forget, we can get caught out, we can get caught up in that moment. He knows that sometimes what's in front of us is so big, so distracting, so needing of our attention that we can forget to remember what's gone before. I love this. God knows that sometimes we need something tangible to remind us. God knows that with the Israelites it was the same, how easily they can forget what he's done. He knows that whilst they themselves, some of them might have good memories, will remember. He is keen for them to remember to keep telling the story. When your children ask, what are these stones for? Tell them of what I've done for you. Remind them of where we've been, what we've come through. It's why I find testimony so important. I find testimony fascinating. It's one of those things I'm drawn to in church because I love hearing other people's stories. Like I love looking at your photos. I love hearing stories because they are recalling something of life. Something that God's done in your life, an experience you've been through and how God's come through in that. It helps us to remember God's goodness. So I want to ask you, I wonder what it is you remember of God's goodness to you. What is it you would recall? I wonder how often you remember it. Inevitably, if we have a baptism here and those of you who have been baptized, you can't help but think back to yours. There'll be other occasions. But how often do we remember the good things God's done? How often do we allow those past memories sometimes to slip through the net because of what's in front of us, because of how busy life's got. I've decided that I wanna start collecting mementos. I tried it as a child. Apparently as a child, I decided thimbles were a cool thing to collect. So I have a wonderful thimble collection in my loft. Um, Bizarre, still not growing, and still very bizarre. But not because of places I've been. I don't want to collect mementos of postcards and things of places I've been, but I want to start marking the things God's doing for me. So, for some of us, it might be a journal. Some of you might already do this, just to account, to write down story, and have that account of what God's doing. Of writing a prayer one day, and revisiting it months later and saying, "You know what? I see God's goodness. I see what He's done. I see how He's been present." It might be a photo. You might take pictures of the things that have happened. Maybe even you will begin to collect stones. That's my thing. I've decided stones are cool. So I'm going to try and collect stones, which could get me in trouble in places if they are part of buildings. But there is something powerful having tangible reminders. God knew the people would forget. They would move on. The next drama would come, and they would forget all that he had done as they left Egypt, and then all that he did as they crossed the Jordan. So he said, you know what? Something practical and physical and visible is good for you. So I encourage you, maybe not to collect stones. If we all did it, we could have some problems. Highlighters. Highlight the things in the Bible that speak to you, mark things. God is for tangible, and they are crucial. They are crucial because God knows that there will be times and challenges ahead of you that look too big, that look too momentous to overcome. And it will be those moments when you're sat there wondering how on earth you are going to get past this, that you will see something and remember something of God's goodness and say, you know what, God has done it before and he can do it again. God knows we forget. So he wants us to have reminders of his goodness. He wants us to continue to pass on those stories of the things that he's done for us. And then finally, this is possibly the hardest one for some of us to get our heads around. God gets the glory and we get to go again. God gets the glory and we get to go again. For some of us, we love to lead. For some of us, we love to be seen as successful. We love to do the thing. That's okay. It's good to be driven. It's crucial we have leaders. But we need to remember that it's for God's glory. Verse 23, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over it. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over Then verse 24, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. I used to play football, I say it quite a lot, I think it's because I like to imagine I could have been slightly more successful than I was, but I collected all my trophies. Every single trophy I ever achieved, traveled with us to Wales. I also, in our loft before we moved here, because these didn't travel with us, had four huge bin bags full of soft toys. I, again, thimbles and soft toys were like my thing, and I'm becoming less cool the more I speak this evening. But I collected both had hordes of them. One marked all the achievements I'd managed. One marked moments when others recognized something I'd done. One of the collections marked little places I'd been. Marked moments when maybe someone had given me a soft toy, had won them randomly at fairs. But two collections of things The soft toys eventually I couldn't remember, I couldn't place. The more I revisited them, the more random it seemed that I kept some of these things. Keeping either of them would have been fine. It would have been okay to have either collection. As I said, I now don't have the trophies, most of them were broken, so I eventually bin them and the toys didn't ever make it into Wales, um, which was a good thing for my credibility. But the truth of it was this. Both collections, be it trophies or be it soft toys, were about me. They were about me. They marked something in my life, something about what I'd done, places I'd been. They focused on me. It would have been amazingly easy for Joshua to have got the 12 stones collected and made the pile and had it. And then, when the backs were turned of the tribes, to have erected a little sign that said, This is the place where Joshua led us across the water. It could have become about Joshua. It could have always been remembered that Joshua did just as Moses did. This could have been his moment for glory, for fame. But that is not what this is about. Looking back is not looking at how great we are. It's not about building some wonderful CV of all the things we've managed to achieve. The text reminds us this is so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. Time and time again throughout history, we have markers that show us how good God is. Markers that show us how powerful God is. We have markers that show that even in the darkest of situations, God can break through. Louise touched on it when she prayed. Politically, we are a mess. Politically, the world is a mess. Stories like this should be a huge encouragement to us because politically, Egypt was a mess and God broke in. And he got his people out. I believe in a God who will use his power and the um, what coming of the word, he will use his people and their influence to change the course of politics. We've got to believe that. We've got to pray that. And you want to know why I'm confident? Because I look at what God's already done and I see how powerful his hand is and I know that he can do it again. All of this is so that God gets the glory. People see the situations we're in. People see the very real situations we're in and they see us get through them. It'd be very easy for us to start to take the glory for that. I was real strong. I did real good there. What we want is for them to see the situation, see us get through it and then see past us to the God that supported us, to the God that heard the prayers and answered them. That's what we're called to do. We are called to give God the glory, to let people see him through us, see him through the way we live our lives. It's not about keeping soft toys that helped us through difficult times, trophies that showed us the times when maybe we were the best of that group. But it's about remembering who God is and how much he can do when we let him in. How much he can do when we let him in. And that leaves us with that final point that we get to go again. We get to go again and that's all of us. Because what we do is we face these situations and God steps in and we overcome them and then we give him the glory and then we get to go again. We don't have these markers so we can just simply sit here and reminisce about the good old days. We don't have these markers so we can sit here and think about the time when God showed up. We have them as a constant reminder that we are to step forward and trust that he will show up again and again and again. That's what we're called to, to go again. We have them all of the moments of healing, moments of comfort, moments of breakthrough, those Red Sea crossings for us. We have them to encourage us to go again. all of them serve as reminders that when we get up tomorrow and we face the battles of the day, we can look over our shoulder at the pile of stones left from previous battles. And we can then look forward knowing God is good. We can look forward knowing God is for us. And possibly most importantly is that we can look forward and step forward knowing God is with us. I find this story hugely encouraging. I find it hugely encouraging because God doesn't just simply say, you know what, Joshua, you're next. Good luck. He says, you know what, I'm with you. I am with you as I was with Moses, and I will be with you as you go forward. The potential we have in this room is undoubted when God is with us. It's about what we choose to take on. Please look back. Remember. Be encouraged. But don't stop. Use them as encouragement. As reminders of God's goodness. God has done it before and he will do it again. I believe that. The potential is unending.